Hello and welcome to Leviathan News. Today is June 6, 2023. And the big story of the day is that everybody's getting sued. The SEC came out and announced that they are filing suit against Coinbase today for being an unregistered broker dealer and securities exchange. And that uh, saying that they've done nothing to come into compliance, everything that they have listed is a security and essentially they should be shut down forever and join permanently from selling securities. So we so, wait, Sam, remind me, did we talk about Binance yesterday or did that drop after we we did drop did drop after we, okay. we talked. So uh, before all of us reply, guys, just like really get into it. Can we get like the one credentialed person to give us like a TLDR on like what's going on? So yeah, today please, we have please. we have our resident legal expert and actual lawyer. Alex Golubitsky here to uh, to help us navigate this uh, situation that we've seen over the past 24 hours. Welcome, Alex. Hey, thanks. Uh, thanks for having me on, guys. I, I really appreciate it. And it's uh, it's I'm really looking forward to uh, to chatting with all y'all about uh, the developments over the last 48 hours, which have been kind of nuts or not even 48 hours. Like, no, literally 24, 24. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, so, yeah, I mean, I think that like starting with the in, in a certain sense, like the the I feel like the Binance complaint was a little bit more um, uh, remarkable in, in certain respects than the uh, than the Coinbase complaint. We, we we knew both of them were coming, right? I don't think that anybody's, especially Coinbase, but 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 Binance as well. You sort of reading the tea leaves, you knew eventually it was it was going to come. But and just uh, for um, completeness, we knew that because of the Wells notice, right? For for I think I think uh, for Coinbase we knew because of the Wells notice yeah mm -hmm. and then for Binance I would say I don't think Binance got a Wells notice or if they got one they didn't publicize it which they're not public documents so it's sort of up to the person who was mm -hmm. whether, whether they, the public knows yeah. that, that it happened um, so so you know I, I don't know that that, that Binance uh, uh, they might have got one uh, I don't think it was public but I think. Just the overall sort of environment yeah. and rhetoric against uh, CZ and Binance say, so, okay, the SEC sued them, not like a huge shock. I, I would, it will not be a huge shock if in the relatively near future there's like a DOJ suit, possibly criminal charges that are more OFAC based, but we'll save that discussion. Well, those remember that just, I believe it was a month or two ago, those internal chat communications from Binance were essentially published in court documents. Uh, with no clear evidence of how the uh, DOJ got them. Yeah. And that was almost a prelude of what was coming today with more internal documents, right? Like I, the, the, the SEC actually published in their Twitter post one of the more juicier ones, which was, I believe, the uh, chief compliance officer back yeah. in 2019 saying, like, we're running a, 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 a fucking unlicensed securities exchange, bro. I will say that like one of my favorite like ways to describe this industry is like I feel like everyone in this industry watched Wolf of Wall Street and thought Leonardo DiCaprio was the hero. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, Alex, like my understanding of like these this situation holistically is like basically there's two things that the government's saying. One is applicable to both Coinbase and Binance, which is about like you are an exchange for unregistered securities. And then secondly is only applicable to Binance, which is like you did some like like really criminal stuff like related to, uh, you know, whether it's like, um, like it's not just about unregistered securities. It's about going above and beyond and like being a, um, you know, SBF style actor. Um, yeah. like. Number one, is that an appropriate way to characterize this? And number two, uh, well, is that appropriate? Yeah, I, I think I think that like broadly speaking, that's appropriate. To put a little bit of a finer point on it, in in the in the Binance complaint, there is a reference to um, the uh, uh, an asset freeze, so sort of like a um, preliminary injunction type request for for the court to basically say. Um, we need to step. We need the court to sort of step in while this this uh, lawsuit is pending and make sure that they don't remove assets from the reach of the of the United States government, which is um, not common in this type of SEC complaint. Like it's especially 
if it, you know, if you're talking about an SEC complaint against a relatively large business, you know, you you would expect to see it in a complaint against somebody who is like genuinely like running a scam using fake identities about to just like move money completely offshore where it's, where it's outside the reach of the, uh, of the U S government. I think that was probably the biggest surprise in, in, in the Binance complaint that the sec is, is, is one of the government agencies. So sorry to be like pedantic about this and then I'll like gives oxygen for us to like argue about it, but just like for clarification, what you're saying is that, it is surprising to see that the SEC um, is asking for it or that Binance did something that would predicate the SEC asking for it? Well, I don't know what Binance did, right? So, okay. so I, 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 I would say that... Depending on what they did, does that kind of change how egregious this uh, complaint is? I, yeah, I, I, I think there's other aspects of the Binance complaint that are like, more egregious for the sort of overall mm -hmm. general legal landscape because I'm not really going to cap for Binance, right? I mean, mm -hmm. like, whatever, you know. Yeah. But, 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 like, I think that my, my remark is more that the situation is surprising, whether it's an appropriate response by the SEC to something that Binance did. I, I just don't know. But, but okay. the fact that it's in the pleading is unexpected. So, there's a couple of bigger picture issues like all of this finance and coinbase uh, lawsuits come at a time when the digital market structure bill is being discussed in congress uh, and then additionally the agricultural uh, commission is going to have a hearing today where i guess they'll be talking about these lawsuits as well no today. i think it's even better i think as they as the uh, sec released the lawsuit against coinbase the chief legal officer of Coinbase is currently testifying on Capitol Hill. Oh, very nice. <laughs> it doesn't seem like that was an accident, but you know. So just just to wrap up on the Binance stuff, um, I'm sure we'll be seeing a lot more come out in discovery uh, as as things go forward. Uh, but one thing to note about Binance is that they've spent the past two to three years really trying hard to get licensing all over the world. Uh, and try to cut out as much U.S. oversight as possible. So uh, one thing that they've been doing recently in the past several months is is courting really hard in the UAE and the Gulf as well, too. Uh, they have essentially moved their uh, core operations into Dubai, uh, which is, I guess you would say, uh, one of the places where if the U.S. is going to come after them, that they potentially could... Uh, be sheltered there by the the Gulf states. So it's it's maybe the like the first showdown that we're going to see between uh, like the UAE and Dubai. And like, how much do they want to permit in allowing these crypto companies? They say they want to be a crypto hub. Okay, let, let's see what happens when the SEC comes after them, right? Yeah. I, I, no, I think that's that's a fascinating um, aspect of just what's going on with finance generally. Is that it is. Um, Binance is like somewhat of a symbol of um, different uh, jurisdictions trying to use digital assets and crypto as as a wedge against, you know, the, the U.S. government sort of hegemonic control of the global financial system. And well, I, I, I'm not I have zero predictions about how that's actually going to work, but it is yeah. interesting to see. Play out. One, one other thing before we move off the Binance complaint that I wanted to mention briefly I think Don't worry, we're not moving off it. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, <no worries. laughs> I, I do think one of the interesting allegations in the complaint, because a lot of it is stuff that we've just seen over and over again from the SEC, but I actually thought that in terms of where they're pushing the U.S. securities law with the complaint, one of the most interesting aspects of it are the allegations against BUSD, um, because we saw in the um, uh, Terra complaint that one theory the SEC is using for why algorithmic stable coins are um, securities. Um, but the allegations against BUSD are, to my knowledge, the first time we've seen the SEC articulate a theory about why a collateralized stable coin is a security. And it's a really interesting theory because basically what they're saying is that because BUSD plays a role in the sort of overall Binance ecosystem 
you know, where BNB and, and, and whatever else that our securities are being marketed, marketed. BUSD is also a security. And uh, I, th- I think that that significantly, if that theory gets traction, it'll significantly broaden the reach of the SEC against stable coins generally. So okay. I have, you know, disclaimer, I anal, I am not a lawyer. Um, I don't understand the strategy here. But um, to what extent is the SEC just kind of throwing spaghetti against the wall and hoping some of it sticks so they can bring charges against other protocols? Because it looks like there's like a number of protocols like Polygon and Solana in there that like, um, you know, they're, they've been kind of angling against for some time. Um, is this just to like beef up a court case against those? Well, and, yeah, and, we, and we, as we, yeah, just to just to interject here, we also in the pre-show listened to a clip that Gary was talking about, where he was saying that the SEC only has to find one security that Coinbase listed, and that like taints the whole thing, and then they have to go through the the, broker, the whole licensing process, right? And they can shut them down. Okay, uh, but go ahead, Ed. Um. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I mean, to 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 Garrett's point, like, yes, of course, that's that that that's like always a strategy, not just of the U.S. government, but almost of any plaintiff in any case, right? Like that is how the like the confrontational law system works, right? <laughs> sure, um, but it is, uh, and so you're right. I mean, I mean, you, you this is. I, mean, I think it's important to caveat this, right? We're just talking about complaints here. We're not talking about what the law is, right? We're talking about what the SEC wants the law to be which is a subtle but important distinction i think and and um you know so so some of some of this may be a prelude to actions against other protocols some of it might be it's interesting about solana because i think kind of comparing the notes from uh, about solana in the binance complaint to the uh coinbase complaint that that was filed today one of the interesting things, um, this is not my idea. I had to have a lawyer who's smarter than me uh, on securities law explain this to me. But one of the interesting things about, about the Solana allegations is that based on what's in the complaint, it now kind of looks like Solana itself, Solana Foundation, I don't know exactly who's behind Solana, who would get sued by the SEC, actually has a yeah. pretty compelling statute of limitations argument if, if an action were to come now. So, so you know, it's it's possible that 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 there's a little bit of regret in, in terms of like the SEC's allegations against Solana at least because they might not be able to actually um, pursue uh, uh, what 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 they would want to do against Solana now. Why the SEC would let the statute run against Solana? No clue. I I, I can't even speculate as that. It seems totally anathema to their to their overall um, to their overall goals. But I will say. There is a pattern that the SEC employs of alleging that securities are token. Uh, excuse me, the tokens are securities in litigation that does not involve the organizations and entities that issue those tokens. Um, and and I think that that is is highly problematic because it it's it, it you need to have somebody. And I don't think this is necessarily the case with Binance and Coinbase, right? But you have to have somebody who's sitting across the table from the SEC that actually has a vested interest in making the argument, this token is not a security if this adversarial process for generating law is gonna work. Okay, so I wanna address that in a second, but before I do, just to like join the like paranoid anti-government train for a moment, like you wanna know what I think when I like see that Gary and team might have like missed the boat on Solana and this is a little bit of regret. All I see is the ghost of SBF. Yeah, sure. (laughs) You know, and so like, this is not really what I think, but like, come on, like this isn't happening in a vacuum here. (laughs) Like, you know, and I just, I think that like, yeah, regret makes a lot of sense based on what happened. (laughs) Yeah, no, I hadn't thought about that, but that's a really good point. Um, Yeah, and And now to go back on the government shill side, like I- Yeah, I I figured. (laughs) Look, like- I, I hear what you're saying that you need someone like the way the adversarial system works is like you need someone who like has a vested interest in saying that Solana is not a security in order for it there to be someone to argue it. But like at the end of the day, like let's let's look at Coinbase, for example, like it cannot be a valid 
like excuse to just be like, well, nobody told me they're not security. So I built like a multi-billion dollar exchange on them. And, you know, like, but we there has to be some accountability we... on the exchange side as well that's independent of like each individual token. No, but we talked about this before when Alex was here is that like, <clears throat> because you can't, the government just can't let a business run and operate for years and go through the IPO process and then operate for years and then come back and say, hey, you're illegal. Blah, well, yeah, blah. that that I agree with. I mean, I agree that like the I'm upset that like it, the Coinbase can just be hit in the face like this because of they've done everything right. And honestly, like we should all be so. Here's the big thing. We all get so emotional about this shit that I think like we've lost sight of like the fact is like the rules are on the table. Like if this like legis legislation, <laughs> I wish, right? If this lawsuit goes through and like maybe it's like super like terrible and everything's a security and whatever, but like that sets rules by which like we can start to play the game and like we can move the ball forward and like work on legislation like I, but so, that's not exactly the, the the case if the rules are uh, specific in the US and the rest of the world sees it I mean, that's just how it works so, though. I mean, well, <laughs> so, most of, so most of what happens is going to be migration out of the US because why will uh, what I'm going to ask is something I think even uh, even more basic why does an, a new startup a new company uh, that wants to operate in crypto why should it today go and do it in the U.S. and not in, uh, I don't know, Singapore, Dubai? Yeah, uh, man, like, whatever. you want to know what everybody says about California, right? Like, it's the most expensive place. The taxes are so high. Why would anybody live here? Guess where it's every rich right. person lives. No, it's not that what, it's not what every, uh, like, many do. But a lot of people today will not go near California. And uh, that's a fact, you know, that, that's not, uh, I, I'm not saying that many won't and many don't. But I'm, I'm saying something like uh, much more simple than that. Uh, what, uh, what, uh, how does all these kind of lawsuits and uh, stuff, how does it actually uh, help the U.S. in maintaining its power over the crypto industry and not let it uh, run away? Because in a few years, they won't have that uh, power if they keep doing that. I mean, again, what, what I was just saying is that if we have this lawsuit and it goes through the courts and it's through settling this lawsuit, we set rules that puts America like in like prime position to like be the global center of crypto. But what if it puts it in the last position to, uh, to do it? I, I mean, my, I'm a huge believer that any rules at all, any clarification puts America yeah, at the front of I, I, So I, 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 I somewhat agree with what, what, what Rex is saying here, but sort of broadly, but I think specifically I don't because, you know, we have a system of government in the U.S. where we have the legislature that's theoretically accountable to the people that passes laws that are then um, implemented by executive agencies like the SEC. Mm -hmm. And what I feel like the SEC um, is, is doing here is they're attempting to use litigation to subvert the legislative process, right? Because I really don't think it's a mistake that these lawsuits were filed right when you have probably the first major attempt at like a comprehensive crypto legislation package in, in, in the US. Is it is it politically viable? Eh, I don't know. But it's it the McHenry bill that got introduced on Friday is a step in the right direction. And, and we're not talking about that because the SEC took all the oxygen out of the room with, with, with these lawsuits. And to me, it's, it's ass backwards in terms of how lawmaking is supposed to work in, in the U.S. And, and I, like, I could not agree with you more, but I think that is like a huge conversation about this, the state of the American political system. Fair, fair. And like, if we want to have this conversation, I'd much rather have it about the healthcare system than about crypto. <laughs> Um, but, you know, to, to, to Deepak Advisor's point about, about what is going to happen with, with the rest of the world in, in the U.S., I mean, I think as a practical matter, like, look, as an attorney who's practicing law in, in, in this space, you know, you know what I would love for the SEC to articulate more than anything else at this point? How to avoid being in the U.S. 
Be, yeah. Because like that's that's the question I get the most. That's that that is the most yeah. practical. Like I am building a protocol. Tell me how to do this question that I get as an attorney is like I don't I don't want to access the U.S. market. The the penalties are too steep. Like tell me what I need to do to to avoid being scrutinized by by the SEC. And if that means that my product's not marketed to people in the U.S. That is fine, and and I think that like we need uh, some kind of regulatory sandbox for that reason, right? Because a lot of these protocols, and I don't need to, I, I think that this will be broadly agreed with the people who are on here as well as the viewers of the show. A lot of the people who are doing the most interesting things on Web three are protocols that are in the like sort of like one to fifteen million dollar range in terms of in terms of, of of capital, right? And they are very bootstrappy because like. That's not a lot of capital to like build out protocols that are doing new things. And for those protocols on that level, like it's not viable to go to have, you know, five, $10 million in legal to inter in legal spend to interface with the SEC. You just don't have a product if you, if you do that. And so it's like, we either need in the U S and, and in Switzerland's tried this. And, and I think it works pretty well there, right. Where it's like, okay, if you are, under a certain market cap, we're just not going to apply the rules to you because you can't do that much damage under $5 million TVL or whatever. That would be great. I don't think we're close to that in the U.S. But, but don't you see these lawsuits as a vehicle to get that? No. Why? Like, no, you know, because, because, because... Because you, there's no clarity that comes from it, right? Like, well, that, but that, there's, 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 there's no clarity that comes from complaints. Rex, Rex, each of these cases, yeah, the lawsuits have different agendas. They don't really want uh, to seek the truth, and uh, you know, the, yeah, but our truth is not the truth. <laughs> but but Rex, uh, don't go to the our truth, their truth stuff. Oh my gosh, like I, I think you brought this up, man. Like I, I just like the political process. Like we can disagree with Gary, but that doesn't make him wrong. You know, I'm, I'm not, I, that's actually not what I'm, I'm, right I'm not saying that the judge is going to get it wrong in the district of Columbia or in the Southern district of New York. I'm saying that the judge in a coin, here's the Coinbase suit in the Southern district of New York might legitimately come to a different conclusion about what the rules are mm -hmm. than the judge in the district of, Col of, of mm -hmm. Columbia. Right. And then we get a Supreme court case. And, and then, no, well then we don't, right. Because then it's got to go to the DC circuit. Okay. And sure, sure, the sure. circuit, And then to the Supreme court six years from now. Yeah. In six years from now, the technology is going to look totally different. So the answer we have is, is, is not, is, is not going to be germane to the question. Yeah. <laughs> I, so I agree. Let's go fix the political process. But until we do that, like this is how, it, you know, I just, I, I think it's, well, I disagree. I think it's valid for the SEC to say that crypto is like a cesspool. Hold, and on, hold on, Rex. Let's let's come back here for a second because while we can say a lot of things about like the industry, right? Coinbase has done everything possible to try to come into compliance and register. Uh, for those who don't know, Coinbase actually acquired a, a firm called Keystone Capital in a bid to become a, a licensed broker dealer all the way back in 2018. Uh, and while they were able to acquire that, that entity, uh, they haven't been able to uh, gain that kind of wide scale broker dealer. Right. Uh, and this is like a venue for Coinbase to show that in court. Yeah. Right. Of course. So, but I, I want to push back on, on, on what, what you said before a little bit, a little bit, Rex, which is like, it is, I agree with you, it is valid for Gary Gensler to be like, crypto is successful. I'm just going to sue everybody in some opaque order of urgency. Because I want to scare everyone away, and I think that this should not be allowed in our country. Right, that's valid. That, that, like, that is within Gary Gensler's authority as, as chair of the SEC to do. Mm -hmm. But it is, by the same token, also within his authority as chair of the SEC to say, I have the rulemaking power to try to separate the sheep from the goats and create rules that are going to allow good faith actors in, in the space a path forward while preventing people who are scamming and acting in bad faith from, from accessing um, customers. Like, he could do that. That would be an equally valid action as, as chair of the SEC, and he's choosing one over the other. 
Right, because he thinks that there are no goats. There's only sheep. Yeah. Or, or the other way around. I don't know. I don't know. I, I forget which is bad in that analogy. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> and again, like, I, I think that the whole point of our, our judicial system is that, like, Gary can have this opinion, and whatever the six of us on this call think, like, the judicial system is supposed to provide a fair venue for Coinbase to say, like, hey, this is fucked up. We've been trying for years. We've asked for this guidance. We bought this broker-dealer. And, and you know, like, if we don't believe in the entire system, it's, like, a different conversation. But, like, I, I love Coinbase. I don't think this is good. I don't think this is fair. But, like, I'm ecstatic that the ball's moving forward. So, like... What will be the next steps here for Coinbase? It looks like the SEC wants them to have a, a preliminary decision within 28 days uh, about whether they are selling securities <laughs> at all. <laughs> and, and if that is the case, they want to permanently enjoin them from selling securities until they acquire the necessary licenses. Uh, would that mean that the exchange would have to shut down, stop doing business, or just for those? Do they do anything they else other than... No, there's a lot. I mean, Coinbase has a lot of business lines within its company. Yeah, it's... I'm um, oh. oh, sorry, go ahead. Uh, just be, while you're answering, I'd be curious to hear your thoughts on the kind of the argument that's being thrown around that the SEC in 2019 approved Coinbase to do exactly what they've been doing, including at the time they were selling some of the tokens that have been named in the suit as a security. Uh, yeah, I'm interested to see the government's uh, response to, to, to that argument. And, and again, I'm not like a securities law guru by any stretch, but that but isn't, it seems like it's got some validity to me, right? I mean, I mean, it's like just, just, I mean, it's almost like a lay view. Like, well, they asked and you said, okay, so. And you get to say that in front of a judge now. Yeah, no, I, and, and, to, and to that, to, to your point, Rex, I, I, I think that it is, it is like moving forward. In in, in 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 that sense and and uh but but yeah i mean i think that there is some likelihood i don't think it's a high likelihood that the court enjoins um uh, uh coinbase for uh from operations right but remember when when a court enters like a preliminary injunction um it's not a final decision on the merits right that's why it's preliminary and they have to, the court has to balance a number of things, including one of the things they have to balance is what is the potential harm if I get this wrong and enter the injunction, right? And I would argue that, and Coinbase is going to argue that the cost of the court getting a preliminary injunction against Coinbase, stopping its US operations in wrong, making that decision incorrectly is incredibly high because because coinbase is a very valuable business it is a publicly traded stock and yeah. if if the court enjoins coinbase and that ends up being the wrong decision at the end of the day there is a huge cost that's that that is going to be borne across yeah. a large like disparate group of people and and i think that's going to be a big factor in, in, in the court's decision so wait, sorry, just for legal clarification, Alex, what you're referring to is in order for a court to like grant preliminary injunction, which means like the court is reaching into the real world and fucking shit up, right? It's like, you're a lawyer, it's the three prong test, right? It's like likelihood of success, basically what you're just saying, where it's like, if we do this injunction, is it going to irrevocably screw things up? And like the third thing, I don't even remember what it is, but what you're saying is that like actually in this case, Coinbase being a public company is really, really good because any damage you do is not only on like private rich people that are not sympathetic, but is on the publicly traded like pension, like retirement market. Balance of equities. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Attorney uh, 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 over there. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Coming through with the third prong of, uh, of FRC. The only not, no, not the only, but the non-American. <laughs> the only the non-American, the non-American non-lawyer being like the rule. I'm just, I'm just unfortunately so like I've done too much reading about it now, right? <laughs> <laughs> I think we all have, right? I, I wish yeah. I didn't know it, but uh, yeah. 
what, what I'm interested in, though, is um, <clears throat> in, in the suit, they name so many tokens. They name all of these tokens, and, and even Garrett even says, right, actually, they, they looked at these tokens at one point and said, okay, fine, you know, this company can be publicly listed. That is that it's doing exactly what it's doing that they're hating. But what what is kind of next for both the the tokens and because I'm under the impression that you know anytime anytime the SEC uh, not only the tokens but also anybody else named in the suit. So I think Gemini is also named in the suit. Um, and and so what do you what do you think is going to happen to these entities these these protocols? Uh, Put it another a, way, do you think we're in for a week of? Every yeah. day exchange. You think this is going to be like an advent calendar of like yeah. uh, <laughs> who, who is the new lawsuit, right? Um, yeah, I mean, I think that it's um, yeah, I, well, I, I mean, I think it depends on 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 what type of actor you know you know is 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 being implemented. Like, I was interested. One of the interesting things to me, there's actually very little. From a legal standpoint, that's that interesting in the Coinbase complaint. To be honest, I haven't read the whole thing. It came out just now. Yeah, yeah. Just sort of skimmed it, chatting with other lawyers about it. There's not a lot of like new ground that's being broken, like in in, in legally in, in, in the Coinbase complaint. But you know, w- one of the facets of it that that I found fascinating is that there is that they're including Near as a uh, as as a security, which on the one hand is like not that surprising, right? There's nothing that's like that different about you know it's proof of stake network it's you know yeah why does this surprise you because what near does is like they are incredibly transparent as to you know if you're going all the way up to the to the foundation level as to like who is controlling what tokens like like where tokens are being allocated who controls the validators you know and and it's 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 crazy to me because like what do you want near to do? Like, like they're saying in the complaint, they're using information that near has published about how its own protocol works. That if there was a way for near and near is like a heavily lawyered up uh, protocol. If there was a path to near registering as a security that they, they would have walked down it because that's, that's their whole kind of MO. And they're literally taking the information that near publishes on the internet that if near was issuing a security, near would include in its public disclosure statements mm-hmm. and they're using that information to be like aha they're they're an unregistered security and it's like well, okay yeah sure of course they are right like uh, it's 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 kind of a no-brainer that like near is is, is security in that sense but what do you want these people to do like, well not issue token. that's what yeah I yeah i mean that's like <laughs> a conclusion yeah is that yeah. near should just like not exist i mean it's like to me what i see is like we're imagine a world in which there's like zero tobacco regulations and like some tobacco company is like putting like this will cause cancer and you have the government coming in being like we're not allowed to have that and like the response being like what we've disclosed everything yeah no it's a good analogy actually (laughs) i mean they also did it for solana as well too so they published in the complaint uh statements that uh, anatoly had made about that solana supports up to fifty thousand tps going to be the most performant blockchain and the world's first web scale decentralized network uh more website statements that solana is engineered for widespread mainstream use by being energy efficient lightning fast and extremely inexpensive uh it's pretty crazy <laughs> really <laughs> like to talk about the technical characteristics of your network and then be have that used as litigation against you is just maddening very maddening. That's the that's the mo, you know. Well, I so, I think this probably think, there's there's yeah. Go ahead, we can do some final. Oh, thoughts I'm just kind of curious. Um, we started talking about it a bit before uh, the pre-show, and I would be curious to get your like impression on this. Um, so on CNBC or Bloomberg or one of the shows, Gary Gensler appeared like an hour ago, and he basically said that um, you know he believes that uh, we don't need more digital assets in the United States. But previously, he's gone out of his way yes. to say he believes that we should be merit neutral on the subject so like that just strikes me as like a betrayal of his oath of office like uh, is this like worthy of being impeached? yeah so his his full his full quote was we don't need more digital currency we already have digital currency it's called the u.s dollar it's called euro it's called the yuan they're all digital now 
That's Why true. But by the generation will care about these people. Like the younger people, the generation that, that that does the actual innovate innovation, they don't care about Gary Gensler. I, I hate to tell you. <laughs> well, he cares they about them. Care about him. <laughs> it doesn't matter if uh, Gary or that, and if and if he needs to live in another country or be registered in another country, he will. There's a whole new uh, game being played, and these people are, uh, you know. Uh, still wanting to maintain their grip on stuff they will never control again. That's my honest take on it. Gary, I think you have a good point. And like, again, going back to my tinfoil hat, like what changed? SBF. Easy. Yes. Very, very simple. Well, in the administration too. So. Well, I, well, I mean, I, Gary said something and then Gary said something different. Like what changed in that time is that SPF, he got right. caught with his pants down. And, and Tara as well too. Yes, of course. Yeah, but he right. should resign. Like, he should resign <laughs> instead of lashing out yeah. at people. Well, exactly. and I mean, no, but he's okay. so, so politically he's... toxic that, you know, the yeah. administration yeah. has yeah. decided that this polls well enough. And so like Republicans aren't going to yeah, call that's for profound, it. Like, though. Yeah. So remember that, that the SEC chairman is an appointed position by the Biden administration. And that if Biden was unhappy with what Gary Gensler was doing, he could fire him tomorrow and put in a new chair. Uh, and so this means that everything that Gary's doing has the seal of approval from the executive branch. And uh, I can't say for the other. Biden's ecstatic about this. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, like there's no debate. This is what Biden wants. And I think we're building all need a crypto to, army. <laughs> we need to internalize that. Like, yeah. I understand that we want to just be like ah, old people, blah, blah, blah. But like the, they're the old people that set the rules. <laughs> yes, that is true. Yeah, that is true. Uh, a couple of things to note about this case. So the director of the SEC's uh, Division of Enforcement, Gerber S. Graywall, has the same last name as Coinbase's CLO. Uh, it's just like a little strange. Are they brothers? <laughs> that would be weird. Like two brothers, one's on the SEC and the other one's on Coinbase. <laughs> I, yeah, I have no idea, actually, if, they are, uh, if they're related. It's, it's kind of a unique last name. So... Uh... Uh, maybe I don't know though. <laughs> it could be great for the Leviathan News exclusive, you know, docu movie about this. Yeah, yeah. Got the, the same actors play both. Uh, A family between. I know it's it's just it's just all like, but they, you know, the the I guess one of the interesting things is that the market has reacted pretty neutral to this entire thing. Uh, yesterday yeah. we went down five percent on the coin on the Binance news, uh, pretty much flat. Yeah, right now. I mean, I, to me, the message is the like the yeah, like this. There's about five percent of more risk than there was two days ago. But again, like the the way that the market is digesting this is like we already knew the government fucking hated us, but like now at least like there's a venue to like hash this out. And I don't know, like I get it, man. Like all five of you, I get it. Like Coinbase is like the only people that did stuff right and they're the good guys and like i don't want this but like i'm not in charge i'm just like trying to watch what's happening and like um the ball's moving forward i i know we got to sign off here soon but i actually have oh we got a lot more to talk about put to the group here because i think that that y'all have a much more nuanced and, and intelligent opinions about this than i do if the u.s government because one of the things that people use Coinbase for a lot, right, is just the off-ramp. Um, and, and just like, hey, I need a way to connect my digital assets to, to my bank account so that I can spend these in the real world. If, if the U.S. government succeeds in cutting off or significantly clamping down the relationship between digital assets and the banked economy, what, what does that look like for DeFi? Wait, that was an open question, or you have a thought? That's all. I I think you guys. I I don't really have a have a have a thought on on. on oh, DeFi on, is going to keep doing DeFi regardless of what boomers in Washington D.C. want to do. So in yeah, some way, like it, it's somewhat bullish for DeFi in some way. I think like the biggest thing that America can like really fuck around with right now is like making Ethereum useful in the real world. And like I think <laughs> going back to yesterday, um, the the. <laughs> So, like I got the most bullish announcement ever two minutes before we heard about Binance, but is that um, Gnosis safe card, right? 
Like those are the way, sorry, just if anyone wasn't watching yesterday, um, Gnosis Safe announced that they will be doing a credit card where you can access your Gnosis Safe funds like through the Visa no, network. No, no, no. If people don't watch every day, screw them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Also, there was like six airdrops yesterday. So, um, <laughs> but, but like that, that's the type of thing that I think can really, really get crippled, especially in the short term. And I think that can um, like really keep ethereum in this world of like speculation for speculation's sake and just like creating more and more rube goldbergs that in like... the u.s just in the u.s though but well sort of building I, off of your point in the Rex, west wouldn't it be the yeah. case that like if the u.s is going to obsolete itself and other jurisdictions like dubai and hong kong are going to well, pick up the ball let's let's not let's let's not get down this route of kind okay. of um, we're not, none of us are regulators here. We're not policymakers as well. Wait, wait, hold on. Yeah, I, the question was, how does DeFi change? I look, look, look. For look, I if you're if you're an average retail person, you're still going to be able to buy whatever you want. You're still going to be able to buy Ethereum. Yeah, but you, you're not going to be able to on ramp or off ramp. Yeah, right? that's what. No, that's you will be able. To, like the on ramps, on ramps aren't going away, right? No, There's, no, no, man. That's the premise of the question. Who knows? Okay, no, I don't think the on ramps are going away. I think the biggest thing that this that these announcements do is like if you're a big fund that's not a, a specific crypto fund right you probably just won't deploy money into into these uh into startups or other crypto crypto places because like look the the model for kind of crypto investors big ones at least over the past few years has been like hey let's fund this company uh that's going to build something and then they're going to have a token and then because because a16z invested into it we know they're going to get listed on coinbase after they launch and and then we can dump on retail right so gary might be listening <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> uh so maybe that that business model goes away but uh, and we've already been seeing this in the amount of money that's been invested into uh by vcs and crypto this year it's only it's only at like half a billion dollars when previously in last year it was it was breaking 20 billion dollars yeah the, uh, also look at vc across like tech in general too um, they've shifted to ai ai is the new hot commodity well now. they've shifted it to government bonds <laughs> yes that too as well yes yes um so sure. look i don't i don't think the on-ramps go away there's always going to be like dubai's and singapore's where it's already been enshrined in law and you have really good access to on-ramps right like maybe it just gets and a bit Bitcoin more got it started with like peer-to-peer -peer yeah. local bitcoins where people would yeah, just exactly. meet at a Starbucks and yeah, you know, that's exchange what I a bag of cash. Yeah. yeah. If that if that comes back again, I will be more than happy as someone outside the US because then I can provide that service for a massive spread wow. to anybody inside. Except people wow. keep getting the murdered cops, and cops are going to show up your door. Cops are going to show up at your door as like an unlicensed. Uh, what's the term? Is like Gary's going to show up. Uh, money, money <laughs> money, yeah, unlicensed First money transfer. Unlicensed money, money transfer. I mean, we don't uh, want to yeah. go to it. It's like the back alley abortion argument, uh, which I we certainly shouldn't get into that one on this. <laughs> <but>. <laughs> well, speaking speaking of unlicensed money transmitters, one sure. of the biggest was sentenced to six years in prison yesterday. Reggie Fowler, the former part owner of the Minnesota Vikings, and uh, essentially the money mule for crypto capital, Bitfinex. Uh, like all the early 2017 money movements at the time, uh, the the initial like tether lost almost a billion dollars worth of money. He was all involved with it, and he's been sentenced to six years in prison, and also been ordered to forfeit 740 million dollars of his own capital. So, pretty like justice has been served, I guess. In this one, uh, the whole crypto capital Bitfinex tether story is utterly insane. Um, but again, like. The, the only reason that they had to use Reggie in the first place as a shadow bank was that there was no legitimate on-ramps to get it, money into crypto at the time. Um, and Bitfinex was just searching for anything. It's basically scams. the running back. Do I have my wow. sports analogy right? Yes, I think so, yeah. Uh, but it's crazy, it's crazy how like a, uh, an NFL owner could get involved in crypto at such an early time and, and wow. essentially like run billions of dollars back and forth for uh, institutions and other like retail Wait, players. Are you, are you not aware of just like how incredibly shady NFL owners are? Uh, I, I think that's a, we're, this is a crypto podcast. And so I can't really like comment on that, but. Uh, <laughs> Wait a minute. What? We comment on everything. We don't have expertise. <laughs> in. 
you need the show? Isn't that I literally just lectured law to a lawyer? I, I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. But like sports ball, like what's that? Like, um, but in you know, it's this this kind of market volatility has not been all bad. Uh, Garrett, what happened with Curve USD over the past 24 hours? So in kind of classic new Mitch will fashion, um, he, anytime like the market dumps, you can almost always rely on curve to be sitting there gloating. Uh, in this case, <laughs> he was gloating about how well the, uh, the curve USD soft liquidation mechanisms worked. Uh, basically the simulations would have showed about a 0.5% loss, which is much much better than the 100% loss you would ordinarily hit. Um, and sure enough, it was just within that ballpark. So um, That's that insane, plus um, TriCrypto and G also is actually where most of the curve maxis are getting super bullish um, because TriCrypto and G is like the super gas optimized version. And mm. it's seeing like really like robust uh, trading activity. Uh, it's getting integrated into a lot of ARB bots and the gas fees are even lower than expected, clocking in sometimes around 140K. Yeah. Does the um, upgrade to try crypto three have implications for like any other pools? Because like basically, is that technology going to be like the backing for like all V two pools or something, or um, is this really just about like the the, the breadbasket of Curve? So there's a factory that has been deployed. Um, I don't believe it's yet accessible even even through Etherscan because um, it's using kind of the newest bleeding edge version of Viper, uh, which is yeah. not fully supported. They had to basically manually verify the tri-crypto contracts were deployed. Um, but it is being added to the UI at some point soon, TM, at which point literally anybody is going to be able to go and deploy their own. Um, so you could deploy uh, you know, a Matic, um, Filecoin, Solana, you know, SEC nightmare pool yourself. <laughs> Uh, that's super cool. I would love if anyone can pull someone who's like really educated on like the tri crypto pool. I would love to talk about like what does a world look like when you have factory tri crypto pools and like what type of like why is it more powerful to have like a three pool like a pool of three assets than three pools of two assets? Um, so that's super interesting. Hmm. Yeah. yeah, let me see if I can get uh Fiddy back on. He's the guy who well, we got- uh, who put a lot of it into, into work. So I, we're pretty much done with all the crypto news. We can move on to actual interesting news at this point. NFL stuff? Uh, no, 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 no. Uh, who is going to be going towards uh, Apple's like weirdly isolationist view of the future and is going to be buying the ski goggles? Okay, I totally am. Like, I, it, The announcement is dumb and stupid and it looks like super kitschy, but... I had a friend um, who bought the Oculus one, the Oculus workstation, uh-huh. and brought it over to my house. It's super cool. It is incredibly cool to basically like we all buy extra monitors, right? Like that's what these things are. It's just like your monitors are like virtual and can be everywhere. And I can't wait till they don't look like just I'll save my language. I can't wait till they look not stupid, but like. It, it, we're entering a new era of computing for sure. And like, I'm excited by it. I'm very, very excited by it. So yeah, they're, they're amazing. But the problem for me is always, I, I literally want to tear my eyes out after like using it for 10 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> eyes bleed so much. Is there any way to fix that? Like, or is it just a, a usage thing? Yeah. If your eyes hurt, you need to spend more time on the internet. Yeah. And I thought it was funny how Apple is introducing measures for the ipad and iphone to tell you if you're like reading it too close to like pull it away but now they're going to be like strapping this this (laughs) goggles to your head yeah it's a little bit weird you know they have they're going to have like eight hd cameras that are like tracking your eye movements and so they're going to be able to use things like machine learning to be able to understand the commands that you want to perform even before you like move your hands just based on your eye movements a little weird i i just think it's a little scary right like you know Mm -hmm. for all the tech bros who are sitting in their 400 square foot like 40 square meter apartments in san fran little studios you know work all day and then you come home and you like strap on your vision pro at night watch some movies in your little box like with Dude, nobody, come right? on. You sound like my parents 20 years ago talking about the phone. No, but I, I just think the the there's there's a difference. Between, your eyes. 
okay there's a difference this is the first like in my day we only had books and we were smarter than everyone okay but this is the first like true like really dystopian product that i think apple's dude your iphone is your iphone is super dystopian it is yeah it is like it it, it increases isolation and the tech companies profit heavily from increased isolation and now we can glue an iphone to our faces yeah, yeah. so you don't like you keep your hands free <laughs> Uh, but the pricing isn't that bad. I mean, if you look at what's actually in it, the amount of technology that's going to be there, uh, $3,500 for a uh, computer with like these brand new chips, two brand new chips, the M2, and then uh, I forget the other one, the secure enclave chip that they have as well too, plus the H or eight HD cameras and everything else. And uh, yeah, it's going to be potentially a game changer for the kids who like to sit at home and you know don't like to go outside. So uh, you can... Go outside, touch grass through the goggles by touching more imaginary grass. Back in my day, we didn't have to worry about touching grass because we walked five miles to school. Yeah, and we didn't have something on our literal eyes. We could actually look with them at the surroundings. Well, eyes are great, guys. We should keep using our eyes. Okay. Did anybody buy a Google Glass? my office did and we jacked around with it but yeah. i mean it wasn't a real product it was a prototype yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh look yeah got my oculus right here it's fun it's the oculus too um but i can't really find any particular utility for it we could do a yeah, like a round table like this in the metaverse sometime though yeah <laughs> yeah i'm gonna be the milk llama <laughs> uh and yeah, so I, I think that's going to wrap it up for today. Uh, we'll be back in 2024 with our Vision Pros streaming from the metaverse. <laughs> when we finally get to answer is when a boy or a girl. You'll see me in the, in the metaverse. In the metaverse, <laughs> exactly. Listen to that alpha voice, man. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> that's a man. It's a voice changer, though, right? And, uh, it, they, the technology is not that good. Yeah. No, it's actually amazing. I can sound like Kanye if you want me to. <laughs> All right. Tomorrow, Kanye cast. Stay tuned. Uh, so, thank you so much, Alex, for coming on. For sure. <laughs> thank you so much, Alex, for coming on. Uh, it was great. I always love coming on here. So, I really appreciate it. Yeah. yeah we'll, we'll see you tomorrow to talk about Gemini and uh, interview with <laughs> Kanye. Yeah. 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 Uh, well, until the tide returns, we will be back tomorrow. This is live the news. Don't forget, I should always say this at the beginning, but we have a Spotify that you can subscribe to, or you can go get Apple Podcasts. Uh, we also have a YouTube as well, uh, where you can watch us as an actual live stream. Or if you're just using Twitter, you can follow us on Twitter and get the live stream there as well too. Uh, so yeah, thank you so much for tuning in. We we've seen some huge growth in the Telegram channel over the past few days, uh, just massive. So thank you everybody for for tuning in to. Uh, our telegram channel it's just huge massive growth and we'll see you back tomorrow all right see you tomorrow goodbye bye everyone <laughs>